This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check the Dark Knight, the Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com. And subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I am Arnold Woods, and I'm joined as always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, living my best life, getting outdoors, just hanging out, enjoying the really weird summer that we're having. But it's good. How are you? I'm good. I'm 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 trying to venture into outdoor eating more. Uh, one of my best friends came over tonight, and we ate and had you know the social distancing thing. And it was good. I, I want to, you know, move into a phase when I'm able to, like, eat on a patio at a restaurant. I haven't been to a restaurant. I haven't ate at a restaurant in months. But I'm thinking, like, maybe I can start at least doing the patio thing. Going inside to a restaurant or inside a bar is not something I'm going to do for a long time. But I like That's eating fair. outside, so. Oh, yeah. And, it like, we have good eating outside weather. I I would assume in Iowa until, like, the end of September. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, if you, yeah, it's it's pretty hot through the end of August, so it's so, we're, nice. we're good. It was muggy today, rain today, so it's very muggy. Mm. Don't not love great. That. <laughs> it's not what we want. No. Um. So this week, while we're enjoying the patios, we're also enjoying all the mailbag questions that people sent in. Um. So thank you all for sending those for all of your Batman, not just the Dark Knight trilogy, but also um, Batman in general. Thank you for sending those in, and we're going to get into it. Um, they're chunked out by people who sent in, like, who, it, who sent it. So Ryan Moon is kicking us off with, what do you think happened to the Joker? Um, so I'm assuming he means in, at the end of the Dark Knight, if the Joker was in prison, wouldn't he be released with all the inmates in the last movie um, as he was prosecuted by Harvey Dent? What other Batman characters would you have liked to see in the Christopher Nolan trilogy? Do you want to take this first or do you want me to, like, how do you want to, what are you thinking? Um, I, th- I want to hear what you have to say because I know that you your Batman knowledge is a lot more in-depth than mine just because of um, you've, like, read the, like, comics. Well, this this is a hard question to answer, really. Um, and it's, you know, to contextualize it, obviously Heath Ledger passed before The Dark Knight was released in 2008. And so, like we talked about in The Dark Knight pod, and we talked about it at the beginning of The Dark Knight Rises pod, I believe, like they just don't acknowledge the Joker at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's no mention of him, like there's nothing. And that was because... Christopher Nolan, you know, he said, like, I wanted to respect our time on the set and, you know, what happened to him. Like, it seemed trivial to, I'm paraphrasing now, but he said it, it kind of seemed trivial 
to address it in the movie. I don't know. To me, it's, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's impossible to answer really because in my opinion, like that character, he probably would have escaped from Arkham. Like if he's, yeah. you know, if he's arrested at the end of the dark night and he's taken to Arkham or he's taken to whatever prison, like he gets out within a week, you know, like the, the little that they had him in prison in the dark night, like he was out pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. And so the only, in my opinion, the only reasonable answer for him not being in the dark night rises from a character perspective is that he must've died. Like that's the only way that he, like the character of the Joker in that universe must've died. Because he's like, he's too important to the story. He's too um, powerful or too capable or too, you know, menacing as a villain to not be in that movie if he, if he was alive still, if the character was alive. So in my opinion, I would guess, like, I, I always just kind of bridge that logical gap by saying that the character died, I guess. What do you, what do you think? Um, I agree that, like, watching the movie, it's like a very it's very easy to just be like, yeah, he probably died because the Joker was such a prominent character in the dark Knight. However, I think that if Heath Ledger had lived and like they'd written the Joker into the dark Knight rises, um, of course he would have escaped Arkham and, um, he would have, um, I don't really know if he would have been part of like, Bane's plan or and everything that's going on. Um, so I agree that it's like a hard question to answer, but I also think like uh, he would have like each Batman movie in the Dark Knight trilogy, like they don't necessarily incorporate past villains too, too much. So I, I really think that the Joker would have had like a minimal role and he might've just tried to, um, caused chaos, but like, I don't know if like the, the main villains of the Dark Knight Rises would have liked his form of chaos. Yeah, you make a good point as far as like the only through line through the three movies is Killian Murphy's Scarecrow, and he's like a prominent villain in the first movie, and then he just like makes cameos in the next two. So the it's not really there isn't a lot of previous villainy mentioned as the as the series progresses so that that's a that's just a really good point and yeah i don't it's i i think we mentioned this in the last pod but like the joker is too um i don't think that he's he wouldn't have like worked well with bane or with anyone you know no. like that's not he he's too singular and i think bane also was too singular like they wouldn't have really been able to cohabitate that movie so it's it's it makes sense for them to have not addressed the joker in the movie while at the same time recognizing how awkward it is from a storytelling perspective i guess you know you kind of yeah. see what i'm saying a little bit yeah i agree and i think you maybe you mentioned that um like obviously if Heath Ledger had lived and like he was part of the film that like it wouldn't have been Scarecrow that was um, the judge, like deciding if people are going to be exiled or murdered. Um, it would have been the Joker, and that would have been like his cameo. Yeah, I think that I think maybe Ted mentioned that to us. Um, we were having that discussion. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been interesting. Like maybe yeah, and that. But my point was that like I just think the Joker would would be too 
he's too prominent to only cameo like like the scarecrow did. So I don't know. It's yeah. It's it's a really good question from Ryan, and it's something that I think a lot of people who have just been fans of the of the movie series have debated because you know, in the universe, it's like the Joker was too big a deal for them to have just not for him to have not had any effect on anything in the years um, in the years since. So I don't know. It's tough. I agree. I agree. Um, what other characters would you have wanted to see from the, like other Batman characters in this trilogy? Do you think would have been a good fit? So it's tough because I think the one that jumps up, the one that jumps to mind for me immediately is the Riddler. But I think that he's almost too. He's kind of too similar to the Joker. But if if I think about it, he's kind of a. He might be a bit of a medium between the Joker and, and Bane because Bane was just like this master planner, right? Like he had this plan to pour explosives into the concrete around Gotham's infrastructure for, you know, months or however long that took. And like, that's kind of like how the Riddler is like setting up these elaborate schemes and trying to test Batman mentally, which is what the Joker did. The Joker tested Batman's like psyche and his resolve and his fortitude and his, um, you know, his principles. And I think that the Riddler would have done that as well. So I think that that, that would have been interesting um, to see. What about you? What do you think? Um, well, one, I wish that there was more with um, Two-Face. Like I wish Harvey Dent, like as Two-Face, would have had like a little bit more time in the movies. Um, I feel like the Dark Knight, we definitely see a lot of Harvey Dent. And like, you understand Two-Face as a villain, but still... Um, that would have been fun. Um, but also, and maybe because like the, the Harley Quinn movie is fairly recent, like that would have been interesting to see how Harley Quinn would have played out. Maybe because the Joker, to your point, was like too prominent um, to just like have a cameo. Maybe like that would have been the character to have a cameo in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, where you like know like oh yeah I know who that character is and I know the significance and then it also kind of draws you back to being like oh like where is the Joker why is Harley Quinn here but like not the Joker like I don't know I think that would have been interesting I think that the character of Harley Quinn and, and we talked about this on the last pod like it's just it's interesting the way that they that character has taken off in this latest um yeah in this latest version of the Batman slash DC universe like series. Yes. And uh, as, as well as Christopher Nolan made that series, uh, I would have been interested to see how he fit a Harley Quinn into that world because truthfully, and this is something we might get to a little bit later, one of the questions, but not really not a lot of strong women roles in that series no. in Christopher Nolan's version. Correct. And that's why I was like, well, Harley Quinn was not necessarily a strong woman character. Like, I don't think of Harley Quinn as like a strong woman character. Mostly because I probably think of the cartoon Harley Quinn that I saw in Batman, the animated series, but it still would have been nice to just like have more represent, like minimal representation of women. Like Catwoman is like a very, very good character, but like even she's not really, like we talked about it where I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot she's in the movie until I started rewatching the movie because like 
yeah, she's there, and Anne Hathaway does a really good job playing Selena Kyle, but, like, I don't think any woman in any of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies is just, like, steals the scene in any way, which I'm like, well, all right. Hopefully in your future movies, like, you write women to be more significant. Yeah, I agree. Like, I really enjoyed Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle. But outside of that, it's like Maggie Gyllenhaal slash Katie Holmes in this, like the Rachel character is just yeah. kind of, kind of just like a, 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 like an avatar of Bruce's desire for a normal life, which is yeah. almost like she, she kind of like explicit, explicitly says it in the Dark Knight, where it's like it's it's almost kind of like a meta thing where she's like, you know, don't make me your last hope for a normal life. And it's like, that's basically all the character is. It's just like a projection of Bruce, like wanting to, you know, the, the side of him that desires normalcy, I guess. And so yes. it's, it makes the character a little bit like shallow almost, or just not really fully formed. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's even kind of like a broader commentary on, on Batman in general, or comic book characters in general, where, you know, Batman is this character that's created in the, like the late thirties, early forties. And, um, there's just not a lot of, um, from that point up until really like the entire 20th century outside of like a few, like the wonder Womans of the world and things like that. There's just not, not a, a strong enough place for women in comics in general. Like what not, and not even like, I, I say wonder woman just cause she's a hero, but just like characters, like there's plenty of comic book characters who aren't superheroes, right. Who are kind of just these like Jimmy Olsen's and, you know, just like the everyday people who have relationships with these characters. Like there's just not a lot of proportionally, there's not enough like women in those roles. So that kind of manifests itself, I think, into like the movie series. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I don't know. He could have made Batgirl. Not that I love that she's Batgirl because she is a woman, but like, I don't know. So there was the, there are those rumors that there were going to be like, and everything is so up in the air right now because of the virus. But like, I heard that there were rumors that they were going to make a Batgirl movie like in this next, and like Josh Whedon was going to was going to direct it. The guy who directed the first Avengers and yeah know, did Buffy the Vampire Slayer and a bunch of other stuff. He's written Marvel comics. He's written DC comics, I think too. But so I don't know. Maybe that'll happen. Who knows? I mean, hopefully we're moving into a place with more representation. So that means there are women in comic book stories that are stronger. They're written to be stronger characters where they aren't just like representative of someone's feelings of like, oh, I want this. And this person is that for me. Like, hopefully it's more than that. And it's just better. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, it's, you're so right. And it's funny we talked about in the last episode, like the the Harley and Ivy episode of Batman the Animated Series, and it's like this, you know, this kind of heavy feminism from Poison Ivy, and it's it's very explicit. And I think that in a movie like Birds of Pre- Birds of Prey, which we just we also talked about with Harley Quinn as the as the lead of that movie, it's more kind of just implied, right? Like she's not going out there saying most of the time that she's persecuted because she's a woman but it's it's a female-centered movie 
and most of the speaking roles are women. And so I don't know. We just we need more of that. Need more women. Need more women of color in comic books. We need it all. Ooh, facts. Straight facts. <laughs> do you want to do the next question? Uh, from Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do this one for you. <laughs> this is a great one. I, I, think um, it, I also agree. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so Bane, and thank you, Ryan Moon, for asking this question. It's a great question. We love it. Um, Bane made wearing a mask in public so cool. Why don't people do it now? Great question. Oh, great question. question. If you're listening to this podcast, wear a mask in public. Please do. Please. Please. <laughs> wear a mask in public. It was a big thing, too, like Bane, the Bane voice, and like the memes that were created out of everything like that. But, you know, you don't, you don't anticipate a public health crisis. But no. take, Bane's, take Bane's lead and, and wear the mask. That's all I have to say on this question. I support that. I second that. We can definitely move to the next question. (laughs) Uh, The next question is from Ted Flint of the Tailgate Society. Ted Flint, he asked, if you could have a single Batman show up in the newest DC movies as Batman, who would it be? Like, which version would it be? Um, What were your your thoughts on this? So I had to, like, think about this because I was like, does he mean, like, if I could have any single person playing Batman or... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but... I realized that's not what he meant. I was like actual Batman. So I think, and so this is my interpretation of the question, just so that there's like some explanation as to why I'm like, I think that George Clooney would be a good at Batman to like reappear in a new Batman movie. My assumption is that if this is a single Batman, like from any previous Batman movie show, whatever, he's like teaching the new Batman to be Batman. Like that is the only way it's going to work to me. Even if it was Christian Bale, like he's kind of older now and he's probably tired of like putting on 40 pounds of like muscle to be like, I'm Batman. Like, I don't think anyone's trying to do that, but I could see one of them coming back and being like, Oh yeah. Like this is how I like did this and like training the new Batman to basically be like any other storyline where a superhero teaches some new person to be them. Yeah, so that was like this big, there's this big thing on Twitter the other day about like Michael Keaton coming back. Um, the Michael Keaton from the, from the 1989 Batman and Batman yeah. Returns coming back and potentially playing Batman with, um, uh, in the new Flash movie, whenever that comes out. Yeah. And I, and I was thinking about like what, like what you were just saying, where it's like, is he going to be like, is he, he's going to interact with the flash I'm guessing, but like, and I'm, I don't know if like the flash is going to go back in time and see him, which would be dumb. Cause like, he's going to be old anyway. So, yeah. but is he, is he going to be teaching a new Batman or like, what is his role going to be type of thing? And I just, it's, it's a, a tried and true like staple of comics and, and um, it really, any story that has like these kind of mythological aspirations where it's like the older, wise monk-like person is teaching the younger up-and-comer like how to be them 30 years ago or whatever and so batman is is certainly a character that like lends itself to that to that archetype i think so i i agree with you 100 percent um yeah for sure so who would you pick my i went i kind of zagged a little bit 
okay. for me was just I put Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy, the the voice of Batman in Batman the Animated Series. Like if there was some way to like transport that version of Batman to this version of DC movies, like I would do it. I don't know how that would work, but like that's that's like my favorite version of Batman is Batman from the animated series and the the DC animated universe. So that's what I would say. Um, I would just, I would love that. And then like, so they did the, um, the CW TV shows, like the DC TV shows, like the flash and legends of tomorrow and everything like that. Like they did like a crisis on infinite earths arc last year and into the beginning of this year. And Kevin Conroy was on that, like, as a version of Bruce Wayne, like, as an older version of Bruce Wayne. It was, like, the first time after, you know, nearly 30 years of voicing the character, like, he got a chance to, like, play the character physically as an old man uh, for the first time. So that was really cool. But, yeah, I don't know. That's that's my, that's what I would say. Kind of corny, but. No, I think that's good. I think that's fun. And definitely, um a good version of Batman, like the Batman of the Batman, the animated series is like probably the Batman. A lot of people think of when someone brings up Batman. So I think it's good. Do you want to do the next question? Yes. So Ted Flint's next question is Ben Affleck is the second best Batman discuss. (laughs) And like, no, what is your, what's your, What is your take on Af- on on Batfleck as they call him on Twitter? Like what are your what how do you feel like Ben Affleck's? What do you think of his interpretation of the character? I think he's too old to be Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that like okay, I get it. Everyone who's an actor probably has that moment where they're like I'm tired of doing things like goodwill hunting and I should do a superhero movie. Let me do Batman. Like, no, Ben Affleck, stop it. Don't, no. Um, I saw, so I've seen Batman versus Superman. Didn't love it. And I just, I don't know. Ben Affleck to me is just not Batman. I don't know why he got cast as Batman. I don't love it. Not here for it. Maybe that's a hot take. I don't really care. Um, That I will die on that hill that like, that just wasn't the best pick. And he's not even the second best Batman. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing about Affleck is that like not taking anything away from him as an actor or or whatever, but it's just like some guys just have too much baggage. Yeah. To bring that they bring to the role where it's like, there's a reason why if they're going to, you know, okay, tomorrow we're going to cast a new Superman. Superman, we're just going to, we're going to make a new Superman movie. We're going to cast. So who are you going to cast? Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like, no, no. Like, gonna, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's too, he's not even in a bad way, but like, he just brings too much of like, no one is going to see him in that role. No one's going to no. see him as Bruce Wayne or, or even anyone like, so like Leo is like, I don't know, he's in his forties at this point, I would guess. But like, in the, like, I don't know, like whatever other late twenties, early thirties persons you, you want to cast, um, and, you know, Robert Pattinson, which I think we're going to talk about him a little later, too. Yeah. But like Pat Pattinson has been cast, but like even him, it's like he at least 
like he's not Affleck, right? Like he doesn't have these. Um, he he just he hasn't had the same type of career as Ben Affleck has had, and Ben and ben, he, frankly, he just hasn't been in as many movies as as Affleck has. So as and, many popular yeah. movies, like you know, he had like Twilight or whatever. And I'm a little bit removed from that because I didn't even really know what that was when that came out. But like, <laughs> I understand like that was a big phenomenon or whatever, but he was able to, he's yes. been able to kind of circumvent that with weirder movies. I saw a movie that he was in called um, Cosmopolis, which was a really weird movie that I didn't like at all. But like he, he makes like weird movie choices like that. Yes. He like and very so- much tried to, separate himself and be like into the indie films kind of like how daniel radcliffe is in like really weird stuff like robert pattinson tried so hard to be like no i don't want to be in anything big i don't want people to bother me anymore um whereas ben affleck has never been that also ben affleck was daredevil in 2003 right exactly so he's you know he's had his full He, he he's had his fill he's good we don't need we didn't need him to be Batman. I don't think that he's like a bad actor in the movie, no. but like I just it's it's I'm not watching Batman like I'm watching Ben Affleck in a Batman suit. So <laughs> that's why. So I guess my question is if this is this question implying that Kristen Bale is the best Batman I or were they so. thinking of or Ma- Michael Keaton or um actually well I would feel like certainly not George Clooney. No, George Clooney's not like the best Batman. <laughs> Um, by any stretch. Um, but like, I, mm, I feel like Ted is young enough that he would assume that Christian Bale is the best Batman. Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. And it's, we've talked about in the previous pods too, but like a lot of, I mean, the second two movies are like more focused on the villain than they are him. So, um, but he does a good, I mean, Bale is great in the role. Yes. He's a he's a great actor. Yes. Um I don't know. I was partial to Val Kilmer growing up cuz I loved Batman Forever and that's yeah. a that's a movie. Oh, we forgot to mention off the top, the director of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin Joel Schumacher just passed away this week. So we got to give a shout out to him. Yep. Um uh RIP to him. Pour one out. For sure. Um but yeah, so I, I I loved Val Kilmer and people now are like Batman Forever is a bad movie, which is true. But I still, I mean, I was six when it came out and me and my sister watched it all the time. So lots of movies weren't great or aren't great now. And people love them when they came out. Like, it's, true. it's fine. We can we can accept this and not tear them down. We It's fine. <laughs> Very true. I want to can we get into this next question? Yeah. Because I'm, I really want to hear what you, what your thoughts are on this. This next question is from Alex Gukin. Um, Alex asks, "Was Heath Ledger's Joker performance the best acting in a superhero movie ever? Yes or yes? Pretty narrow choices there. And obviously, you know Heath Ledger's performance in the dark, uh, in the Dark Knight. He won the Oscar for it yes. um, after his passing, and you know it's." known as something that's like elevated the the genre. So I guess my question to you, I want to modify it a little bit. Like one, do you agree that it was the best? And if it was, if you agree, then what are some other um, performances that you can think of that are kind of like near that same level? Or if you disagree, like what do you think is, I guess? Um, 
That's very hard because there are 5 billion superhero movies that have come out in my young adult life. Very true. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like most of our adulthood and probably even from the time we were in middle school and high school, superhero movies have been coming out left and right. Um, not that they've all been good. Like, I'm not saying that. I would not say that about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Like, trash. But... Um, Heath Ledger's performance is very, very good, and you can't look away. And so I do agree that it's probably one of the best. Uh, it's, uh, it's one that stands out a lot, and I don't know if it stands out a lot because it's, like, very well done or because of the events surrounding it. Like, all those things you remember, like, we remember seeing that movie and how hyped it was and um, the fact that Heath Ledger passed. Like, we remember so many pieces to it that, of course, we remember this performance. But then there are other performances in superhero movies that were like, oh, you're not right. Like, this person did really well in this. So, like, I think Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther, it's just, like, another character that, like, you cannot look away. You're like, wow, you're kind of scaring me. Um so it's difficult. I would, I will say it's one of the best performances, but it's probably, it's like a tier. I'm a tiered person. I don't want to say anything is like the single best thing because it's probably on the same tier as other performances in superhero movies. So there are other people that are probably up there. Like I said, Michael B. Jordan, that's one that I remember because it's like, Oh, I'm scared. Well, that's, I, I'm glad that you, that you pointed that out. And I'm certainly a tier person as well. Um, I think that what's so it's just what's so interesting about a, a character like Eric Killmonger um, that Michael B. Jordan played in back, Black Panther. It's such um, this is why representation matters, right? Because yes. if you we've been saying over and over again about the Nolan Batman trilogy that Nolan was really big on. What if Batman was real? What if this billionaire tragic figure with you know orphaned you know parental issues decided to like fight crime dress up as a bat in the middle of the night and like fight people or whatever like what would that look like in in you know a a super large city densely populated new york type city or whatever and so people responded to that right like that kind of elevated like the point is that it elevates a comic book character into something more, something Shakespearean or something, you know, whatever. And so, you know, Ryan Coogler does the same thing with Black Panther in a different way, though, because Ryan Coogler's question is like, what if this person, this, you know, this nine-year-old boy from Oakland loses his, loses his father, right? Like his father dies and is killed by his brother who lives in this secretive like African nation. And this boy grows up without a father in the context of, um, you know, American society that, you know, treats black boys like shit that perpetu- perpetuates, you know, just like these incredibly oppressive systems 
And then he enters one of those systems, which is the military, in order to exact his revenge for his father's death and then also um, take vengeance on this African nation that has abandoned him and that he feels has abandoned Black people worldwide. And so that's, you know, it's... That's 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 deeper than a Batman, right? Like that's deeper than what if this like billionaire guy dresses up like a bat? And it's I'm not saying that to like shit on Batman, but like if it's 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 why you need the perspective from different types of people. You need a perspective from a Ryan Coogler because you've had perspectives from Christopher Nolan before. Like you need this new perspective. So that's. I'm glad that you that you brought that out because that's such a so so you have a, a killmonger who is this person who is just like enraged and like you know the Joker really isn't doesn't have a lot of rage like he's a menacing character and he's very calculating and he's very um like he's a you know he's this chaotic you know nihilistic character or whatever but like you understand why killmonger is the way that he is like you understand or I understand at least like growing up and navigating the world um, as a black person and the rage that comes with that. And for him, like it's just taken to the max for these other outside influences. I'm rambling now. I'm just, I need to like stay focused. Um, sorry. I've been talking for too long. My, I, I would, I would say I, 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 I'm going to give a couple of other examples of, great acting in superhero movies. But before I do that, did you have anything else that you wanted to say? Cause I've no. been taking up too much time. No, you're good. And I agree with what you're saying. And um, you definitely hit the point that representation matters. And like in this, in this very narrow realm of superhero movies, absolutely. But that's a, to get into that more, another time, another place. Uh, other, Different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But other great acting in superhero movies. So real quick, I'll just say um, one of the first that comes to mind to me is, is Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, just in all of his mm-hmm. in all of those movies. Um, some of the movies are better than others, but I just think that he True. brings like a, a an empathy to that character that's really profound. And um, especially in the first X Men movie that came out in two thousand, and then he's also really good in the second one. Mm-hmm. And he's like Logan that came out a couple years ago. It's just really, really, really great. Um, I think that he's just really, really special in that role. Kind of set the standard, set the stage for like superhero movie acting, like modern superhero movie acting. Yeah. And then uh, Michael Fassbender as Magneto in X Men First Class. I've, I've stated this before. Um, Days of Future Past, I think, is a better movie than X-Men First Class. But, like, Fassbender as Magneto is just, like, he's just almost said he's magnetic, which is, you know, (laughs) no pun intended. But he is, like, he's he's incredible. And he's, like, he was coming off of Inglorious Bastards, and he's just, like, this, you know, ruthless guy bent on revenge who's just, like, extremely powerful, who has this extremely powerful ability, and he's trying to, like navigate how to use it effectively and he's like at the end of that movie like i would have chose to go with him instead of professor x because he was like he was about that life and then lastly i've mentioned this before as well but like michelle pfeiffer as catwoman 
in Batman Returns. It's just like she's off the charts, like crazy in a good way. When I say she's crazy in that movie, I mean it in like in the most positive way, like no no negative connotation of that at all. Like she's crazy and she's insane and she's wonderful in that movie. Go back and watch her performance in that movie if you're listening to this, if you haven't in a while. She's like, she's just like, the stuff that she that she does, she's just going for it. And she's just like, it's the, I've said it before, it's like the psychosexual energy that she has with Batman and with, you know, Max Shrek, who's played by Christopher Walken, who is like her old boss, who like, tries to kill her and she like basically comes back from being killed and she has like this mental break that causes her to be Catwoman. but she's just like um it's just incredible in that movie so that's what i would say very good picks and um i think it's interesting that you pointed out that hugh jackman kind of set the stage in 2000 for superhero movies in terms of like the acting because like plenty of really good actors are in superhero movies. Like, as I was just like, Oh, like most of our lives, we've just like watched superhero movies, but they all, almost all of them have like some pretty big names attached to it. And they're not super campy. Like, especially as you get into the 2010s where they like just kicked it up a notch to just be like very dominant. Um, That doesn't mean that the performances are super good and not, I don't mean that. Um, but the quality and typically the people that are playing the roles are a lot different than probably the movies our parents watched. Yeah, it's interesting. Even in like the first X-Men movie that came out in 2000, it's like Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, right? Like yeah. these two like distinguished yeah. British actors who were playing Professor X and Magneto. So like these, I think it started from there. And then you see where, you know, Holly Berry won an Oscar while she was shooting um, X-Men and or X-Men had just kind of came out or something. And she had won the Oscar. Like they, they put these people, like these prestige actors, Michael Fassbender, yeah. James, Ma- James McAvoy and, you know, Jennifer Lawrence who had won an Oscar and like all of these, they put like in, big actors into these movies to like elevate them so yeah that's super cool um so the next question comes from andrew downs and it is is maggie gyllenhaal an upgrade from katie holmes my answer to this is uh, i don't know <laughs> um again we we talked about it a little bit earlier but i just don't think that like the character Maggie Gyllenhaal and Katie Holmes both played Rachel Dawes and Rachel Dawes is just like, she's more of an idea than a character. Like she's not really fully developed in a way that I would have liked for her to have been, I guess. Like we know that she's a DA in Gotham and that she is, you know, she's not corrupt. Like she's trying to fight corruption and her and Bruce grew up and now they're like trying to navigate this love triangle but like she kind of goes back and forth between Bruce and Harvey Dent, um, which is fine, but it's just like, we don't really know why, like we don't know what's guiding her thought process as mm-hmm. to like why she would go back and forth between the two. Like we know that she had a relationship or a history with Bruce as, as kids, but like, we don't, I don't know. We just don't really know a lot about her and she's not really developed that well. What do you think? Hmm. 
I feel like there are scenes with both of them that don't sit well with me. So like when Maggie, so it's the Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, the dark Knight, and it's Rachel and Harvey Dent are in court. It's very early in the movie and it's where like Harvey is interrogating someone and then like they pull out a gun to shoot him and he like stops them. But I feel like, that shows in that, like, in that scene, for whatever reason to me, it, it looks like Rachel's just, like, playing second fiddle. And, like, that's kind of who she is in the in the films because she's not super well-developed. Um, I just feel like that happens a lot. <laughs> so I'm just, like, I like Maggie Gyllenhaal's Rachel because she's a little more decisive than Katie Holmes is. But I also feel like Katie Holmes, Rachel, kind of sets Bruce straight. She's like, no, like, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> and she has no shame. I don't know. They're the same character, but very they both feel very different in that character. Um, I think that Katie Holmes kind of gets a bad rap. Like, she, because she she's, she's not in the second movie, and so a lot of people, I think, just assumed where... Well, the the producers or the director, whoever didn't like her, they didn't think she did a good job, so they replaced her. And so I'd read that like there were scheduling conflicts, and then some people were like, well, that's probably just her publicist saying that so that people don't know that she was fired and replaced. I don't know. Honestly, like I like both of the both of them as actresses. They're both fine. They're both good. Um, like on the whole in their careers or whatever. Yeah. Probably um if I had to pick between the Two, I'd probably say I'm more familiar with Maggie Gyllenhaal's career than I am Katie Holmes's, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I think the character itself needs to be upgraded. I just don't think that it's a a very developed character. Yeah, it's not either actress's fault that Rachel is just like, meh. It's the lack of strong women being written into those movies. Um, so yeah, I can go either way on them. They both bring something different to the character, but overall the character needs help. Let's, um, let's get into this next one really quick. Um, because this is one that we, on the last podcast, we, I, I briefly mentioned it, but this was from this first question from Michael Martz is why is almost got him? The best Batman the animated series episode. Did you ever did you get a chance to watch that one? I haven't rewatched it in a while, but that was one at the end of the episode of last week's episode I mentioned as as another good episode. Yeah, I didn't get to rewatch it, but um I think that like when you talked about it last week about just how it kind of brings all the villains together, it's kind of fun. It is. So they're like sitting around like they're at a um, they're at like a nightclub or something. And it's just like a bunch of villains. It's like the penguin is the Joker. It's Poison Ivy. It's um, Killer Croc and um, a couple other people. And they're like telling stories about how they almost like killed Batman. And it's really funny. Um, it's one that looking back at it, we we probably we should have talked about last week. It's one that I should have like suggested. And I just like completely spaced on it. But it's it's really good, really funny, and the end of it. Excuse me, the end of the episode. It's like a it's a um, 
it's a setup because Killer Croc is actually Batman in disguise. And everyone at the, all the patrons of the nightclub are like Gotham PD. And they just like, um, they close in on them and they like arrest everyone at the end. So that's just, that's a really great episode. Great episode. It's not my favorite. My favorite is the laughing fist, as I said last week, but like almost got them. It's a really great, like if you talk about tears, like that's definitely, that's a tier one episode. That's how we need to rank like every, everything that we watch is like, is this a tier one or a tier two? Yeah. Or like, yeah. does it make it to the podium at all? Exactly. <laughs> um, another question from Michael Martz is how good would a Wonder Woman and Batman relationship have been in the Justice League animated series? Would have been great. It was hinted at multiple times. Um very much suggested that Batman and, and, and Wonder Woman like had feelings for each other. And actually this past week I was, um, I showed my daughter, there's a, uh, on YouTube, there's like some people, there's a, a couple of like different, um, threads of justice league unlimited episodes. And there's a, a uh, an episode where they like go into the past, they like time travel and it's, um, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern. And she, like, loves watching Wonder Woman, the cartoon. I kind of introduced her to that. So um, there's some banter between the two of them in, in that one. And that ep- that arc starts off with um, Green Lantern asking Batman about him and Diana. And it's just, like, kind of awkward and it's great. Should have happened. Just, you know, just... uh Get more in touch with your feelings, Bruce, and just ask her out on a date. Uh, that won't happen. Bruce doesn't want to touch his feelings, but... Very true. It could in this... Uh, if they continue to make movies, the new DC movies, they could make it happen. Uh, it is, isn't it a little bit hinted at? And did you kind of get... You got those vibes. I mean, sir, I don't, you, did you see Justice League? Or did you that's, not see Justice League? That's the one where they like save Superman, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't get that vibe at all. <laughs> no. So it's not. So in Justice League, it's not really like they kind of talk. It's a lot more professional in that one. But it's just in, in Batman versus Superman. Like when you see when you first see and in my opinion, Wonder Woman is the best thing by far of Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman is a bad movie. And when. um, God, I'm like Gal Gadot when she is introduced it's like maybe the midpoint of the movie or right before the midpoint of the movie. It's a like a two hour and 45 minute damn movie. It's horrible. <laughs> but um, she comes on and like, she's, you know, talking to this guy and this, like the guy says, it's like a Greek artifact. And she's like, actually it's a Roman artifact or whatever it is. And like Batman comes up behind Bruce Wayne comes up behind her and they have this, this exchange. And it's like the best part of the movie by far. And she is, um, the only positive thing in that movie. And so in that little interaction, there's a little bit of like flirtation there, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of cat and mouse there between the two of them. Um, but yeah, in Justice League, it's not really, that's not really explored any further, but I don't know. I don't know why that is. Probably because they're trying to just like pull all these different things in that it's just not, it's like fetch. It's not happening. Yeah, um, right. Stop trying to make it happen. Yeah, it just, I think you, you said it well, that it just, the setup wasn't there for all of these movies. They did it too quick. And um, so I never like 
I don't feel like there are any feelings developing between anyone in any of the new DC movies. But maybe I'm also just like, wow, what a train wreck. So I can't even like pay attention to see if feelings are happening. Well, there's like no fun in those movies. Yeah. Like for people to develop feelings, there would have to be some sort of pleasantness involved. Yeah. And like no, those are like pretty joyless movies. So and they tried to like shoehorn some of that in the Justice League. They tried to like get some jokes in there or whatever, because I'm sure people were telling them that they were too um too serious but when you've established in like three or four whatever previous movies how you know how serious everyone is and how and that's like through man of steel and batman versus superman like how because there's a little bit of levity in the wonder woman movie yeah but um it, it, it has just gone too far into um drab like dry like angry like tortured whatever blah 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 and then in justice league they tried to be like oh we're gonna crack some jokes and it just didn't it was too awkward it didn't really work in my opinion so no and like i saw aquaman and like that one doesn't feel as like doesn't feel like a bummer (laughs) yeah that's true so like maybe jason momoa can help those movies yeah be like between him and Gal Gadot, like, maybe. Maybe they can save the DC movies. They got you. Like, they got to, they're definitely, Warner Brothers is putting putting it on their backs, for sure, because those are the, the movies that people have connected with um, the most. Time to do something with the writer's room. Uh- <laughs> for sure. But another question uh, from Michael Martz. Why didn't Batman discover Superman's mother was named Martha when he researched Superman? So this is, as you know, this is from Batman versus Superman. And like the climax of the movie is just like, they're fighting and it's just like, they say like Martha and like they discover that their moms have the same name. I don't know. That part was weird. What a weird movie that is. (sighs) Not good. No, <laughs> I just I don't know. Uh, maybe you know when people were really unhappy with the last three Star Wars movies, they're like, just get rid of them. Act like yeah. it happened. Let's do that with these new DC movies. Hopefully, post coronavirus, things are going to turn around for the these characters with Robert Pattinson as Batman. Exactly, they'll turn it around. I do. Speaking of Star Wars, and this is not a Star Wars podcast, but Last Jedi, love that movie. Dope-ass movie. Got a lot of unnecessary hate, in my opinion. Not a, not a fan? We'll, we'll save it for another podcast. That's good. We got something in our back pocket. I, yeah, I have some feelings. I watched it recently and was ready to throw things. But let's, let's carry on with Batman. <laughs> okay. Good. I'm glad we got that in the back pocket. That's good. That's yeah. good. We'll save that for another podcast. Um, let's go to the next one. The 1012 podcast asks, were you happy with Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face or would you have rather seen Nolan's first choice, Matt Damon? Ooh, a Matt Damon Two-Face. What do you think? That would have been really good. I would have liked it a lot, but I'm glad that it was Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that Aaron Eckhart was like really well suited to the role. Yeah. I just think that he was um, really straightforward, really direct, and like really, um, 
really uncomplicated. Yeah. As 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 Harvey Dent, and then he gets complicated as as Two Face. So yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, Matt Damon is a great actor, so it would have been interesting. I feel like Aaron Eckhart. Um, he like looks like he could be a politician, so like it, that probably helped him playing Harvey Dent. And how you said like Ben, uh, yeah, Ben Affleck like kind of comes with baggage. Matt Damon comes with baggage, and it's not bad baggage, but like Matt Damon is in so many movies, and they're good. Like The Departed is one of my favorite movies. Right, but, like. I don't know if I want to see him in a superhero movie, but I think he would have done very well in this movie. <laughs> I agree. It's the too famous thing. It's the too much baggage, too famous. We know you from too much other stuff. Like yeah. it's just not, we don't have that same, um, those same feelings about Aaron Eckhart. So yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. This next question comes from Ryan Kent. Um, and Ryan asks, who is the best villain in the classic series and why is it Eggman? And I googled Eggman, Egghead, but like, Egghead. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who Egghead is. I don't either. I'm not that deep into Batman. Like I don't know. My I have a different old timey quote unquote um, Batman villain that I like that I think was cool, but it wasn't um, uh, Eggman or Egghead. I just like I think I've heard my dad like calling someone that or he's like oh that person's like an egghead and i'm like what yeah right like never i don't know not, what this is. <laughs> not the batman not no. the batman villain no uh context i thought of um clayface clayface was a really cool classic villain and i've heard about him through he was on batman the animated series too and he's you know in the comic books and everything like that but he in the animated series he is this guy who was an actor and who put on this special like cream to like be able to change his face and make himself look younger or make him like look, look like other, you know, he used it to get roles basically. And it kind of just like, it goes haywire somehow. I don't know. I can't remember what happens, but it, he ends up like being immersed in this. Um, I think he like owed, owed a debt to someone who worked at the movie studio or something like that. Some kind of like absurd thing some you know some absurd plot device that allows him to become like clayface and he turns into like this huge like ugly villain but like i really like that villain i thought that those were really interesting episodes um i i think of like the older batman villains that i like enjoyed i've been intrigued by the penguin um i think because he just the way he dresses and it's just like it, it's like nothing to him as a villain just because he's like fun looking um and like is an older villain that i can like think of like with batman the penguin would be dope this is something that we could have talked about earlier but like in terms of being in an older movie like the penguin would be dope because he's like a super yes. villain but he, he's really just like a, a crime boss yeah like and I just think that would have been a really, like they had, it was Carmine Falcone and the Falcone family in the, um, in Nolan's movies. And I think that he did that to sort of distance himself from like someone like the Penguin who is known more as a supervillain because, you know, Nolan wanted to, again, ground it in reality as much as he could. But yeah, um, the, yeah the Penguin is just like a mob boss. So I think yeah. that that's, that would have been a really interesting um, character to have in those movies. It might have been too 
like campy for Nolan. Not that like the penguin, like you said, mob boss would have been like a very quote unquote realistic like villain for this Batman, but he was probably like, nope, you can have a normal name. <laughs> you cannot have like a villain name. Right. Yeah. You're going to be, you know, your Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah. Not the penguin. Yeah, and that would have been a little less fun. You want to do the next one? Yes. So the next question comes from P. Diders. Uh, why does anyone reasonably think Batman would beat Superman in a fight? <laughs> I don't think anyone does think that. I mean, like, you know, people understand that he needs to even be able to somewhat compete against him. Like, he has to have a suit, and then he yeah. also has to have something like some kryptonite like weakening yeah. superman yeah there's because there's no like there's no world where it's just like there's no suits and no like tricks that batman would beat a beat superman in a fight yeah like the like, only no go ahead oh no no go ahead i was just saying like the only like superman is such a it's such a tough character because he doesn't have any weaknesses like his only weaknesses are it's like kryptonite and then magic. Like he's, he's magic works on him in the same way that it works on anyone else. Um, which is another, this, another thing that just popped in my head for a character that would have been dope is Zatanna. Um, Zatanna Zatara, who was just like this, um, magician, like this young, um, this young woman magician who is like also a superhero mm-hmm. and is on justice league unlimited. And like in the comics, they've kind of like, she has like a, a relationship with Batman. Like they like knew each other as kids or whatever. That was kind of like that plot line was introduced fairly within the last like 20 years or whatever. But, um, Zatanna would be a dope villain to have like in a movie. And I think that or not villain, like she's a superhero. So I think that that's actually going to happen because they're going to do like a justice league dark movie. I've heard. And she's like a part of that. So I don't know. But yeah, so if you're not using like magic or kryptonite on Superman, like it's not, I mean, it's a wrap. So I don't think anyone reasonably, it's not like, well, he's going to outwit him. It's like, yeah, but like, I don't know. It's tough. I don't, I don't think uh, we've seen a Batman that's going to beat Superman, like realistically. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then on a deeper note, if Batman wasn't white, would his origin be avenging his rich parents' death or overcoming adversity from poverty to avenge them? Um, and is one more noble than the other? So you've seen, you've seen that the, went so deep. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that thing, the joke on Twitter is like the reason Batman's shows half of his face so the police know that he's white. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's there's there's been a lot of like different interpretations of the Batman character. To me, I don't know. There's nothing noble about poverty to me. Poverty is a choice. Um poverty is I say that like the poverty is a choice that like the government makes. Yeah. And that like billionaires may like if people wanted to end poverty, if people wanted to end hunger, like we have the resources to do it, but people choose not to because you know and again this is a different podcast african cap on me right now um because america chooses capitalism and for capitalism to thrive like people have to be exploited like there has to be a certain class of people who are exploited 
and there has to be a certain amount of people who are um, a certain amount of like labor that's exploited and a certain amount of people who are like impoverished. So there's nothing noble about that to me. Like there are people who live in poverty who are able to overcome it. Um, and, you know, great for them. But like, to me, like it's, I'm going off on a tangent now, but like I see there's a, there's a football player here or there's a football player that played for Iowa state named David Montgomery. And he grew up in like this extreme poverty and he, when he got to Iowa State, you know, he's a great running back. He got drafted by the Bears. And, like, there's, like, stories about how he, like, sends money back home. Like, he sent money back home when he was in college when he could. And, like, this, you know, great, great kid, um, you know, had family tragedies. I think his dad might have been murdered or something like that or, or whatever it was. And just grew up, like, in extreme poverty. And people, like, used him as, like, this avatar to be like, look at this young man. Look what he was able to overcome, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's great. But, like... I'm always just like, he shouldn't have been in the, in those, in that position in the first place. Like he shouldn't yeah. have been like extremely impoverished in the first place. And people are just so ex- accepting of people of color in poverty that it becomes like this pathological thing where it's like, they, you know, like it's just normal for them or they should be impoverished. And like, that's, you know, it's fucked up to me because like pe- people of color are impoverished because of racism, because of racist policies, because of racist hiring practices, because yeah. of redlining, because of, uh, you know, historically not having access to e- education and employment, like all this other shit. So I don't know. And, well, and then like those same folks who they don't understand that poverty is also like a cycle. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you don't just like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like make it like um i read trevor noah's book and he like his family was super poor in south africa he ripped during apartheid um and he talks about how like if you start doing really well like you start sending money back to your family but you're not really getting ahead you're not like building equity because all the money that you have you're sending back to like support your family so like getting away from it is just like incredibly difficult this is a podcast about racism in America and the mechanisms <laughs> of racism and how America was built off of 400 years of free labor. Uh, pretty much. And an inability for black people to own land and how black oh. people were included in bonds and land sales. And now it's impossible for black people to have generational wealth because it doesn't exist. My grandfather didn't know how to read, but now I'm here on a computer using a podcast but I have no generational wealth because it's impossible. Yeah. So yes, I hope you're, I hope you're still listening. Dear listener. <laughs> That's what we're talking about on this podcast. I mean, you can't not talk about these things. And like, if you're looking at pop culture, like all this plays into it. That's like, as much as people don't want it to, they don't want to be like, Oh, like racism affects like the music I'm listening to. No, it does. Because fun fact, like your favorite pop singer Probably at some point, it might not have been them directly, but at some point, things have been stolen. So, like, it, you can appreciate pop culture and understand that, like, there's still, like, a lot of bad things going on. This is what we're on tonight, y'all. This is what we're talking about. We're sneaking it into the Batman podcast. It's very fitting for Batman because... I know. Like, every time we've talked about batman i think it's come up a little bit and for like when he's just going around like why is it okay for batman to go around and beat people up right 
So I saw uh, a tweet yesterday that was like Batman's the most unrealistic superhero because no billionaire would ever put themselves in harm's way to help people. <laughs> <laughs> so Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you let's get to, yeah, let's get to the next one okay. and stay tuned for our podcast about black people in America coming soon. Uh, maybe who knows? Uh, this one is this next one is from JT Nut. Um, he asks, which characters deserve their own spinoffs like Disney's doing with Star Wars? Um, and he gives some examples Harvey Dent, Robin, Commissioner Gordon, or Alfred. Um, so yeah, like the Mandalorian on Star Wars or on Disney Plus is. Um, Mandalorian is like a Star Wars spinoff. Have you? Did you watch the Mandalorian? Okay, no. My roommate repeatedly was like, "Are you going to watch this show?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I this is before coronavirus, also, yeah. broke, so I didn't necessarily have time to like commit um, realistically. Where I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to watch the show." So I'm still going to watch it probably in the next couple months because Texas shouldn't be shutting down again. Maybe. Um, but no, I haven't seen it. I've heard it's super good. I'm really excited to watch it. I liked it a lot. And I, I've, I need to rewatch it because I watched every episode. I think it's eight episodes. I watched all the episodes on my phone, like on the Disney plus app on my phone. So I need to like watch it either on my TV or on my laptop, but I liked it a lot. And that's just from me watching it on my iPhone. So great, great show. Um, yeah. So like the TV show Gotham on Fox, that ran for a few years. And I think it just ended last year, but like, that's basically what that show was. It was a spinoff about, um, it's before Batman becomes Batman, but it's about, um, a young Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock and their partners. So, um, it started off. Okay. It kind of got weird and into something that I didn't like it. Um, Jada Pinkett was in it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think, I mean, from watching, like, the, the Poison Ivy, the, the Harley and Ivy episode, like, I would love a TV show like that. Um, what do you think? Um, I agree with the Harley and Ivy, but I think I would, I would watch a Robin spinoff only if Joseph Gordon-Levitt was Robin. Like, like him. Like him a lot. Um, and... It would just be interesting. I, so then I would definitely want it to still be within the Christopher Nolan-esque Batman. I don't necessarily need him to direct it, but just like that same, like, what if someone took over for Bruce Wayne? Um, if Bruce Wayne could exist in today's day and age. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Um, it, it's so weird that like that it, it ends like that because it ends like as a setup for another movie it ends as a, like the dark Knight rises ends as like that setup for now he's going to take over but you know it's it was pretty pretty well known and established that that was going to be the, the final film so interesting to think about though for sure oh yeah can we can we just use that to segue right into this next question yes from jordan yunk and it is what villain would joseph gordon levitt as robin like, which villain would he have fought in the sequel to The Dark Knight Rises if there was one? What do you think about this? What are you thinking? Uh, like, I don't know even who I think would be, like, a villain that would follow that up. Maybe that is where Poison Ivy pops up. I just want, like, another woman to be in this 
in these movies. So like, I think that they're realistically, you could have a poison Ivy because being like green and sustainable, super hip these days. And there are people who are willing to go to like very extreme, um, like things to get to. Yeah. We want to like be, and poison Ivy would be vegan. And like, people would understand what that means. (laughs) Like, uh, I think that would be a very fun villain. Not that that's like a traditionally traditional like Robin villain, but I think that in a Christopher Nolan world, Poison Ivy would be a good villain for Robin. I like it. I like that call. I my thought was honestly I didn't know. I like the Poison Ivy call. Like my only thought was that whoever the villain is, I think it'd be cool for like the villain to also be like this young up and coming person, like this like in the same way that Robin is kind of like, he's taking on the mantle and he's going to do it himself. So now we need another villain who's kind of like the opposite of that, who's his like mirror as a villain. So, you know, maybe a young poison Ivy type thing, Uh, you know, she's trying to, trying to make her name. Um, I think that'd be dope. Would pay him see it. Would even, uh, Throw that idea out there into the world. Someone make this happen. <laughs> Let's write the script. We'll co-write the, the screenplay for it. We'll, we'll get it going. I'm here for this. Uh, hopefully someone will give us a really nice budget to make it. Like, I wonder how much yes. each Dark Knight movie costs to make. Right. Just give it, we could, we could do something lean, man. Just give us a cool, just give us 120 mil. We'll, we'll get it. We'll make it happen. That's, that's, that's chump chains for these <laughs> other superhero movies that are getting made. Big facts big facts (laughs) um and another question from jordan um what do you want to see in the robert pattinson batman movie and why is zoe kravitz going to make the best Catwoman on film uh do you want to start or you want me do you want me to um i can start with like what i want to see in the robert because i think like those question that question came as one question but those are two things that need to be processed separately yeah um (laughs) have you heard anything about what's going to be in this next one or no i haven't and i also like don't like i know that so jordan's my roommate and he definitely like follows movie stuff a lot closer than i do like (laughs) so he he's in on it but um i for robert pattinson just because i read like one of his interviews recently like we talked about him at the beginning of this episode where um he like people know him from twilight but once that was kind of over he was in like very obscure roles um and he's like yeah i just didn't want people to bother me and like he was hesitant so he was in lighthouse last year with willem dafoe I didn't see that. I heard it was very good, but I heard it was just the two of them and it was black and white. And that doesn't sound like something I'd watch. So someone give me the reader's digest of it, I guess. But um, so he's talking about like he was in that and then he's going to be in the suit Batman and he's also in Tenet. And so I'm just like, that's like a lot. Like he's like, yeah, I'm like going from like, finally kind of not being known to going back into being in these movies. So um, I think Robert Pattinson is like a pretty okay actor. I think he's a weird dude. I like that. Um, And I think as Batman, like Batman's kind of moody. So I think he'll do that fine. It's more so when he's being Bruce Wayne that I'm like 
unsure. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's I I agree with like the moodiness and the kind of like I think there's a darkness that he can bring to the role. Yeah. Um it'll be interesting. I I just have in my head I keep thinking of I I had heard that like this movie is supposed to like lean into more of Batman as the detective. Um yeah. the detective aspect of the character or whatever, which is cool. Um I'm sure there. This is something. I mean, there. You have to try to find a new angle for the character after he's been in movies for so long. But um, I keep thinking of the the comic I have, my favorite Batman comic, which is Batman Nine Lives, which is actually the main character that comic is actually um, is Robin is uh, Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson is like a private eye, and Batman is like Bruce Wayne is like the it's like a slightly altered version of the Batman mythology and I think I've mentioned it on the on the pod before but like you know the Joker is just like a a low-level gangster and um like Mr. Freeze is like a hitman like it's just you know and um Bruce Wayne is like the millionaire playboy or whatever. And people think that Batman is like his personal like bodyguard, basically. Like he's kind of Batman is like the muscle that he uses to um, get like business deals done or whatever it is. So he's not seen as like a superhero necessarily. He's more seen as like this like menacing figure that Bruce Wayne employs um, with people not knowing that it's Bruce Wayne himself. So I think it would be cool like that. I think something like that would be cool. That's kind of something that I would like to, that I would like to see. Like if you, if you want to lean into the detective aspect of it, great. Just don't, just don't pay it lip service. Right. Like just actually do it. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. I think I agree with that. And I think that would make it a very like engaging film to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Zoe Kravitz in it, that's also just like a very interesting pick to me um, for Catwoman even. I don't know. Yeah. You know, as, uh, as far as, you know, Zoe Kravitz goes, I, there's not a lot I can say um, in a public forum without my wife being angry at me. So I would just say <laughs> that um, <laughs> I would, I would just say that I think that Zoe Kravitz will do a wonderful job and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, all right. I didn't expect that to go in that direction. So I think that Zoe, I like Zoe Kravitz. Um, I like her in Fantastic Beasts. I think she was robbed. Um, like it makes me very unhappy that they just like, uh, spoiler alert, she dies. But like, they just didn't, they had so much potential in every scene that she's in. She did so well. I'm just like, come on, like you have a handful of people of color in this movie, give it to that. Like, let them be very well-rounded, developed characters before you off them. That's all I'm asking. That's all I want. Um, I mean, I get it. It's not, the story is not even about her, um, but she was so good in it. And I think High Fidelity is really funny. And um yeah, I, I'm excited to see her in Batman just because I like Zoe Kravitz, but I'm also just like, eh, Catwoman. Okay. Um, and I know she'll do well. Like, I think that'll she'll be fun. And um, 
it'll be interesting to kind of compare her to the Anne Hathaway Catwoman because I feel like they're definitely going to be very, it'll be like day and night in terms of like how the character's presented. But that might just be me like thinking how like different they are as actresses. Yeah, I have no idea where this is going to go. I have no idea what they're thinking about, what kind of, you know, what kind of direction they want to take her as as Catwoman. Uh, it's a complete unknown to me. So I'm I'm certainly, I'm going to see the movie whenever it comes out. Um, probably, I mean, I don't, the movie wasn't going to come out this year anyway. So, um, but it'll, I'm sure, you know, production is being delayed. So maybe it'll come out next year. I have no idea when the movie's supposed to come out, but whenever it does, I'll, I'll, um, October 1st, 2021. There you go. So hopefully it still hits that release date. And we didn't have a a really in-depth conversation about the second Fantastic Beast movie when we were doing the Harry Potter stuff, but I agree with everything you said. Like that's like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to get into that, but I, I agree with what you said. <laughs> Thank you. I get it. Yeah. Like that's, it's uh, uh, another, another time when we revisit the world of Harry Potter. Um, so the final question is, and this is from Jordan. Why is Jim Carrey the best Batman villain to show up on screen? He is doing a lot in that movie. And he that, again, really is. I, it's a, a performance. It's a movie that I love. And he's having a lot of fun in the movie. Um, the Riddler is an interesting character. I would be interested to see a different person's take on the Riddler besides Jim Carrey. Because you give that role to Jim Carrey in the 90s. And you know that he's going to take it to like a different planet. Yes. But he's certainly having probably the most fun of any Batman villain uh, on screen. So that's that's accurate um and that like not that batman has to be like the most fun and upbeat happy thing like none of the superhero movies have to be like that but it's nice when there are villains like that that are just like you know the actor's having fun the character's fun you know that they're like the villain it's fine it's a movie um and it like that is the form to be like a fun bad villain like you can't watch a super serious movie and like it can't be a mob movie and you're like oh yeah one of the mobsters is a comedian like no that's not funny that's not great that's kind of a recipe for a disaster um so yeah i think that he does jim carrey does such a good job um and is fun He's going for it. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, you don't, you don't hire Jim Carrey to, to be reserved as the Riddler. So great movie, Batman forever. I just, it's a, a great childhood movie for me, for me and my sister. So this was, this was fun. This was a good one. <laughs> it was very fun. Um, we'll be back. Not with more Batman though. Sad day, but yeah, this is our last Batman pod. It is out. We're excited though. We're excited to start the the new series and it's not going to be on any specific um, franchise, but we are going to starting next week. We're going to start looking at our favorite performances from black actors and actresses in film. Um, So I'm excited to start this journey with you. Yeah. Um, This is, uh, this is going to be really great. So 
be on the lookout for that. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for for rocking with us through through the Batman pod, and and we're ready to to take it to to a new realm. So um, again, thank you for listening. Thank you we for love any you guys. questions. Yes, we love you all. Now you guys, we love you all. Thank you for the questions, and uh, we'll see you next week. Talk to you next week. <laughs>